Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So on this awesome episode, we will be discussing the championship tournament at Adeptcon 2022, uh, an amazing event, amazing weekend, uh, so many awesome things going on. Uh, the vendor hall was amazing, uh, got a bunch of cool uh, models for my kids to paint. Uh, they just had so much going on. Uh, for those that were unable to make it, I definitely highly recommend Adepticon. Uh, if you can make it in 2023, um, I would definitely, uh, if you can make that possible, that you know, you won't be disappointed. So on with me tonight, I have uh, both first place, third place, and fourth place for Adepticon for the Adepticon Championship. Um, and we will be discussing all of our rounds and everything that uh, we faced, what our lists were, uh, and just recapping the, the whole event and how it went. Uh, but with that said, uh, we have uh, Brett and Craig on tonight, and they just so happen to be, uh, at, along with myself, uh, the people that placed uh, first, third, and fourth. Uh, thank you guys for coming on. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. So, uh, to start this one off, um, I'm going to jump into uh, your experiences uh, with Adepticon. Craig, was this uh, because, you know, you're the, uh, you know, first place at LVO, jumping from that uh, awesome tournament over to this one. What, uh, how did you feel about uh, this event and just the atmosphere, just kind of as a whole? I, it was it was the well ran, ran excuse me I can't talk today is well ran um, as as was LVO. Um, it seemed a little more intense uh, than than LVO, and that might be because of the personalities that were there. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but um, you were there, Brett was there, some other players were there that all very intense people when they play. Whereas LVO, there's a lot of joking and laughing, and and there still was, but it, it just had a little more of an intense feeling to it, and uh, and, and that was good. Um, I feel like uh, competition-wise, there wasn't really any uh, opponent while I was there that I was like, man, I hope I, I play that guy for an easy win or anything like that. Like I've seen at some tournaments in the past, it was all, man, anybody in this room can beat me if I'm not careful. Yeah, overall it was a oh, good yeah. time, good experience, and very competitive. Yeah, I agree. It, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've played in anything like, you know, considered, you know, one of the top-notch uh, tournaments, and uh, you know, it's it was definitely a nice uh, change change of pace because, you know. I definitely like casual play. I like kind of semi-competitive play, but, you know, sometimes you just got to scratch that, like, super competitive itch, um, you know, get a uh, list on the table, play to your absolute best uh, ability, and just test your skills. Uh, and before we uh, move on, we are giving out a uh, a starter to a um, a caller, I have a predetermined number, so if you are listening via phone, uh, 
stay on the line if you are comfortable where you feel you are at because it does uh, show on my list the order in which people call. So instead of just, you know, screening every person individually saying, hey, thank you for calling, uh, but you didn't, you know, win the starter, I'm just going to uh, uh, bring on the person who wins. So definitely stay on the line. I won't make you wait till the end of the show, but uh, um, let's say you are caller number four and then one of the people before you, or uh, sorry, not one of the people before you, but the third caller does drop, you will fill into that slot. So um, so if you want to make sure that you are winning the starter, uh, stay on the line um, and uh, we'll see uh, who's the lucky one for this episode. Um, but going back to you, Craig, uh, won't we, uh, we'll go over... Uh, you know, Brett made a good uh, suggestion. This time through, we're going to kind of take the whole tournament step by step. We're going to, uh, um, you know, we'll go over each of our lists. Then we'll go into our round ones, two, and three, four. That way uh, we can kind of mix things up so you're not listening to the same person talk for, you know, like 30 minutes straight about, four rounds plus their list. So um, uh, that said, we'll, we'll start with you, uh, Craig. What uh, were your lists like? Uh, they were both, uh, this is going to surprise some people, but they were both Drogo. Um, one was, <laughs> <laughs> well, they were, they were both Drogo Flayed Men, and then uh, one was Screamers, Double Outriders, uh, and Harakars, and uh, both of them had Illyrio and Selmy. The other list, instead of double Outriders, had a single Outrider, a second Flayedman, and then in place of the Harakars, it had Jorah to make up the points. Um, that second list never ended up getting ran. The, the point of it was for uh, high armor uh, force, you know, to get, to get the extra panic damage through, like um, Baratheons or Lannisters, stuff like that. But it, I, I never ended up running it. <laughs> So I ran double outriders. Uh, gotcha. Uh, now, uh, why uh, d- um, Drogo in Flademen rather than the Blood Riders in at least one list? Pure damage. Makes sense. Um, the, the spike damage you get from Flademen is far above what you can get out of Blood Riders. And now, now the Blood Riders lost field for slaughter. They their survivability. They've only got one better uh, morale, and that's the only difference to their survivability. So they they don't hit as hard, and they they're barely more survivable. So kind of become a no brainer for me. Gotcha. Yeah, for me the I think the um, the only thing that kind of puts Blood Riders still in the mix with Blade Men for me, I think it's a complete toss-up now, uh, depending on what you're looking for. Uh, for me, um, whereas before, I think, with Field by Slaughter, Blood Riders were kind of a no-brainer. But uh, is the amount of dice at the last rank? I, I think Flayed Men go to only four, um, whereas uh, um, Blood Riders only drop to six. But I definitely agree. Um you know, at full health, 
uh, Flademan are, you know, on the charge, just pushing out so much damage with that panic. You know, they're able to eat up, you know, something super soft to kind of, especially in like a horde faction where they got you up on activations, Flayed Men really push out that damage to help clear a, a unit off the board so that you can even out those activations. Um, well, all right, with, Brett. Even oh, with, go ahead. Sorry. Even with the lower dice at last rank, the panic test more than makes up for it, in my opinion. The negative three panic test plus one wound does more than two, di- two dice well, usually. Yeah, usually. Um, the um, the war cry definitely <laughs> helps, but unfortunately the that will only ever really uh, apply to one attack. Um, uh, rather than the flayed men who always have their vicious and uh, intimidating presence to last for multiple attacks if you get free free attacks. Um, Brett, uh, so what did you end up bringing? I know you tossed around a handful of uh, ideas probably to throw some people off the scent, but what uh, did you ultimately uh, run? Uh, what what was my list pairing? Yeah, like your faction and your uh, uh, your lists. Yeah, sure. Uh, faction was Nightwatch. Um, list one didn't really. Normally, I have what I would call like a primary and a secondary, where the primary list is like this is the list I'm running, unless something really wonky comes up. In this case, I definitely had two lists that I was really okay with running. Either one, it was going to depend specifically on the matchup. So I didn't have one list that I liked above all the others. Uh, They were definitely two very different lists made for two very different things. So uh, the first list is uh, my boy, Jon Snow. Uh, Jon and Ranger Hunters, which nobody's ever done that before. Uh, A unit of Ranger Hunters. Ghost, Cold Hands, a unit of Trackers. And then for NCUs, I have Amon, Bow, and Martian, Awful. Um, next list is uh, Donald Noy Commander, who I've been hot on Donald Noy for a while, but after this event, I actually like this list better. And I think this is the one I'm going to kind of experiment around with to try to make it even better. But it is Donald Noy in a unit of vets, two sworn brothers with watch captains, cold hands, Sam, Gilly, Amon. So it's basically a two NCU list because they ruled that Gilly has to activate round one if there's a spot open on the board. So basically the entire event, I was running two NCU. I feel like Sam more than makes up for it. I Even if he didn't come with Gilly, I would still consider running Gam, Sam excuse me, at five points just because he brings the four cards for Night's Watch and you get through your deck so fast. But... Um, that's the list pairing. One obviously is meant to take on, you know, an activation spam army or your more more or less low defense armies. Uh, the other one is a grind. It's it's meant to take on, you know, Starks, Baratheons, Lannisters, situationally Targaryens, you know, things like that. It depends on what list they have, what the mission is, and what you think they're going to run. But we'll get more into that little list chicken thing later. 
Sounds good. And uh, what I ended up bringing, uh, my great choice, it's just kind of my play style at the moment. fits me perfectly. Um, I ran, I had two lists. Uh, the first was a uh, Baylon list. I went back and forth between Baylon, a Baylon list and a Baylor list, but ultimately, uh, kind of going back to what I've mentioned before, um, if I have not thoroughly tested it, uh, I won't bring something I'm unsure of to a tournament, um, you know, to a bigger tournament. Um, so I ultimately decided as Baylon as my second list, which was uh, uh, Baylon in Reapers. Then I had another unit of Reapers. Uh, sorry, um, it was Baylon in Reavers. Uh, another unit of Reavers with... Uh, I want to say it was Carl. Now I'm getting the attachments mixed up. I'll pull it up here in a second. Um, the reason I got to reference this one is because I actually did not use it. Um, I ended up uh, running my other list uh, every single round, but just for the sake of throwing it out there. Um, so Reavers with Balon, Reavers with Asha, Reavers with Warsworn, Reavers with Warsworn, uh, Bowman, Eric, Windermere, and Tycho. Um, initially, the list had uh, Asha in the Bowman and then Carl where Asha was, uh, but that was back when Tycho was only four points. But um, I felt that uh, the list uh, needed that uh, boost healing uh, for any like Lance Cav or anything that might... Uh, try to explode one of my Reaver units. The main list that I ran, um, or the list I ran all four rounds, was uh, Reavers with uh, Victarion, uh, Reavers with Newt, Reavers with no attachment, Trappers with no attachment, and two Bowmen, each with no attachment, as well as Eric, Wendemir, and Roderick. Um, so I would say easily MVP, uh, for the whole tournament for me was Roderick Harlaw. Um, in my opinion, Roderick is like a, a solid B-plus uh, NCU, but with Victarion, uh, just because of his cards in particular, the Alpha Strike, uh, and then possibly getting those figure dances on the Bowman early, uh, Roderick is you know almost a must-take for any Victarion list. Um, all right, so with that said, we can kind of jump into, uh, or you know what, I forgot to ask, uh, Brett, what's kind of, what were your thoughts about the tournament? You know, um, I believe this was your first Steptcon. Uh, how'd you feel about like just, um, your surroundings, you know, all the stuff going on, like the, just all the people and, um, just the atmosphere. Um, I really kind of minded my own business and stuck to A Song of Ice and Fire, which seems kind of probably against the spirit of going to a convention. Um, we did end up getting a long lunch break. I took a stroll with Hurley. We looked at some of the vendor things. I bought a set of paints and some things like that. But other than that, I really tried to stay in my little zone. Um, you know, I do a little bit different prep for in-person tournament and it it's kind of um 
it's kind of a thing for me. It's, it's important for me to really stay focused and stay in the zone. So I didn't actually um, get to go out and check anything outside of a song of ice and fire, but it was nice to, um, it was nice to see a lot of familiar faces. Uh, Vicky was there, uh, Victoria the Valiant from Discord. Uh, it was really great to meet and see her. Um, there was only a couple of people that I didn't know. For the most part, it was really, really familiar people, so that's that's always nice. Martin, obviously, know him really well and his wife. And uh, uh, the convention, it was probably well organized because there I didn't have any issues right so the fact that I didn't have any major issues with like getting around or getting in and 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 things like that I think it was pretty well put together um, it is my first Adepticon uh, maybe it's just this year because of um, you know maybe some lower attendance but um it was far different and i would even say better than my first gen con experience uh gen con it was just it seemed like it was just crazy the entire time like even trying to walk to the area where the song of ice and fire tournament was it, it felt like a chore um so i don't know i <laughs> have you shouldn't ask me this because i have like severe anxiety and stuff so um my memories from gen con outside of you know playing in the song of ice and fire tournament i were <laughs> were my anxiety being triggered by so many people <laughs> around me um like touching me and so i don't know like i'm a hugger so i i, I hug and touch people on my terms but people like bumping into me it i don't know now i'm going off on some tangent and probably looking really weird the point is <laughs> Adapticon, Adapticon was very well put together. It was very well organized. It was very well ran, and I enjoyed it. Uh, in hindsight, I would and make sure I spent one day not worried about gaming in any capacity so I, so I could enjoy the entire experience. Um, I feel like I sold myself a little bit short by only going to play in the tournaments, and I didn't get that whole con experience like I did when I went to Gen Con and participated in days where I didn't play and I was able to look at models and buy some stuff, I, I, I didn't even end up going to the, the Warhammer section to try to get some old fantasy models. Um, I just, yeah, too focused on the game. So. Yeah, I definitely get that because um, every time I go, I usually – like I usually schedule a tournament every single day, and uh, in 2019, all the rounds were packed so close together that uh, I actually had to have Justin go buy me uh, some product from the vendor hall because um, by the time the the tournament started before the vendor hall opened and then ended after the vendor hall closed every single day, and so I didn't even get to go to the vendor hall. Um, it was literally round round one to two to three to four every single day um but this time uh around marty ran it and uh, he did an amazing job of making sure we had plenty of time in between rounds he uh scheduled our break around the break of the team 40k tournament so that we could all get food without having to wait in a ridiculously long line so definitely uh had fun both uh Adepticons, but this one uh, I feel like was far more organized. Um, 
All right, with that said, we can jump into uh, our round ones. Uh, I'll start us off with this one. So round one, I ended up facing uh, 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 Craig, uh, what's his name? He was from LVO with his brother. Um, uh, is it Ping, uh, Ping? Ping or Pang? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I apologize if you're listening. Uh, I believe it's Ping. Um, faced him round one, and I believe you faced uh, his brother round uh, round one, Craig? Yeah, cause I think they're cousins, but yes. Oh, okay. Um, so, and even before the match, you warned me, you're like, don't uh, sleep on this guy. And I'm like, you know, I try, uh, you know, I definitely took that advice, um, because if you look at his list, nothing about it really stands out as this amazing, you know, thing that you should have to worry about. Um, but he played it to perfection. Uh, he had, uh, let's see, he had Catlin, Sansa, and Arya as NCUs. And then he had a um, Tully Cavalier. What else did he have? Um, he only had four combat units, and I'm struggling to remember them all. He had uh, uh, She-Bears. I want to say it had uh, an attachment in there. Um, man, I'm so discombobulated. Uh, but, uh, yeah, for that one... I think it came out to be like a two-point difference at the end. Could even have been a one-point difference, but it was close. And it came down to like the last round, um, not round six, but I think it was like round five because they had called time. Uh, and I barely pulled that one out um, because uh, he charged, <clears throat> I believe, Victorian. It was one of the Reaver units, but I want to say it was Victorian charged Victorian with the Tully Cav and just exploded them. Um, they didn't survive after like one hit, but fortunately he got himself stuck um, because I believe it was Dance with Dragons, so he picked up the token and now only had like a two-inch maneuver. Uh, I'm correct that it was Dance, right guys? First round? Hello? Yes, sorry, I'm working, so I'm trying to mute and unmute here. Ah, uh, yeah, it was You're good. Okay. Um, so after he took the objective from Victorian, he kind of got pinned between uh, his unit and then two of my units, and so it kind of left him in a very awkward spot that allowed for my other two Reaver units to kind of come crashing in and finish off the cat until he have. Um so overall, you know, he he played uh Sansa and Arya's effects flawlessly. He was able to get um use their effects to, you know, full effectiveness and really get uh instances of the upper hand on me. So I you know, like I said, taking uh Craig's advice and not like underestimating him. Um, was definitely good uh, good advice because, like I said, after you know looking at his list, whenever I see a four 
combat unit list where not like all of the units are these super scary units. You know, I you know it's easy to let your guard uh, guard down on something like that. Um, and even though it was uh, like I said, only four combat units, there wasn't like any wolves or anything like smaller in there to help with the activation count. I believe it was just straight up seven activations, uh, three NCUs, and um, <clears throat> uh, four combat units. And then with us both having three NCUs, it really definitely uh, made fighting for the board uh, a little tough. Um, it also didn't help that I kept drawing into goofy combinations of my cards. I would say if Harlaw was the least effective at any one round, it was this one. Um, you know, I Harlawed once into only, like, one usable card, Harlawed again, and drew into double uh, What is Dead May Never Die, um, like, within, like, the first or second round. So it uh, definitely was an uphill battle, and, uh, you know, he's definitely a great, uh, great opponent. Um, I want to say we ended that one at, it was either, like, 8-10 or 9-10. Um, something along those lines. Uh, Brett, we'll go to you. Okay. So, round one, I drew Free Folk, my absolute favorite. Um, he had a Mance list that was your pretty standard, like, Mance fan and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. But um, his second list was actually a giant. List. Uh, he had 1-1 one, one Magnemite, a Savage Giant, two Chariots, and then he had Craster and Lady Vol. So I was like, I... We will, just a second. Sorry. Okay, I'm on the phone, just a second. Sorry, that's Eric. Uh, but um, so you're looking at the list pairing, and I actually got out list chickened. So I'm looking at his list. And I, you know, with Donald Noy having lash out with two sworn brothers with um, watch captains and him having zero way to block or shut off resilience I, in the mag list, like there's just no way that he's going to run a giant list against something that can grind giants and, and auto wound them. So I assumed he was taking man. Um, and then, so I picked John. Well, he out-chickened me because he ran the giant list, which is actually a bad match for John. But I won't go over everything. Essentially, he did a really good job of splitting up the field and keeping me honest. He put a chariot to one side to pick up an objective, and he made it so that it was a chariot and three giants versus my two hunters, the trackers, ghost, and cold hands. Um, it got a little bit hairy. I got into a sticky situation. I ended up having to do what I would call a trick play. I played Stand United Brothers on Cold Hands to heal John three wounds, simultaneously killing Cold Hands because you remove models with that card. I triggered Watches Ended for an attack on the Giant. Uh, I played um, The Light That Brings the Dawn, so I got rerolled. So I did as many hits as I could, retreated out. Then I activated John Charge, retreated out again, and it ended up being enough to bring the giant out. But I didn't trust just the attack, retreat, uh, and fire to get rid of the giant, so I sacked Cold Hands, which obviously gave up a point. 
It got bad after that because he had last of their kind. And so he countercharged into ghosts and killed ghosts. So I lost two units in one turn, essentially. And the score stayed really tight. I think one of the bigger factors was the one of the objectives was precision. So I was able to spike precision hits on uh, one one with the other unit of ranger hunters. I think I rolled two sixes, maybe three. So that's two direct wounds. Just very fortunate for me in that situation because uh, from there I was I was never able to get rid of Mag the Mighty. So uh, it was kind of. Uh, this could have gone bad. I think it ended eight to six. It was a really tight game. Again, I bled those points uh, in that one turn. I gave him two points. It was pretty risky, um, especially with the chariot on the other side. I was pretty hesitant to even deploy cold hands over there because with the chariot having swift retreat, that's not really a great situation for cold hands. Do you remember uh, what uh, the score was, or roughly what it was? Yeah, I think it was eight to six. It was an, it was a narrow for sure. Yeah, the the giants can definitely be super tough. Um, I you said uh, he was running uh, uh, mag uh, as commander. Yeah, it was mag commander one one. Savage Giant, two Chariots, Crafter, and Lady Vault. So, overall, nice. my biggest fear, my biggest fear was getting the Savage Giant angry and, and letting him club me to death um, because he had Crafter in the list, so he had the ability to, you know, take four or five wounds, club me, and then use Crafter to put two wounds back, which is like healing four. That was the play that I was afraid of. I've just been burned by giants so many times. That's why I did the play. I just explained where I sacked cold hands because I had light that brings to dawn. So John essentially got to attack twice. And then uh, both of them, two of the melee attacks would reroll because I retreated. Then I charged him with my activation, retreated and shot him. Yeah, that uh, having the giant rule all the time, unlike, you know, um, the relent or not relentless, but the um, like having it as an order uh, can definitely be, you know, a curveball. You, know, you just never know how much damage to rely on without auto wounds, um, and so I find myself in the same boat uh, often, over, you know, overdoing it just to make sure. Uh, and sometimes even what may seem like overdoing it just ends up barely getting me the kill. Um, with that said, uh, Craig, how did uh, your round one go? And then we'll actually have you just uh, jump right into round two after that uh, for us. Okay, uh, for my round one, I played the other half of that dynamic duo that we talked about and we've had on the show in the past. I think this guy, this gentleman's name is Tang. Uh, at LVO, he uh, he completely ignored the objectives and almost tabled me. That turned into a a brawl that was really a, the last model standing type type fight. So going into this one, he ran a similar list to what he did there, which was uh, two heavy ca cavalry, Ruth, Lannisters, 
Tyrion into you. You know, fun stuff. So, knowing his playstyle this time, I knew he was going to avoid the objectives. So, I was prepared for it. And instead of, last time I made the mistake of thinking he was going to play the scenario, and then he came and tried to whiten out the map. So, this time, I just went right at him. Um, I ignored the objectives and charged his cavalry before he could charge mine and just kind of went after him that way. Um, excuse me. I was able to tie up his Knights of Castle Rock with uh, Screamers and actually knocked off a rank on the charge with the Vulnerable Token and got kind of lucky there. Then I followed that up with Outriders, moved on to the Token, shifted him over, and was able to put shots into his flank for the next two rounds. So although he kept healing them, he could not, um, he couldn't keep them alive because of the, sh- the shots and the negative twist panic test and all that. He did try to retreat once, but I had field control, canceled that. So that kind of turned into a slugging match that was in my favor. However, when I tried to engage his blade men, I needed a three-up charge with Rakars, which it was a gamble. But it was a gamble I had to take. Otherwise, his next activation was going to be flayed men into Drogo's flank, which I didn't appreciate. So I was like, well, if I make the charge, great. I've got his flayed men tied up. He probably, once engaged with them, will not be able to kill them in one attack. If I fail, I'll at least be a speed bump and protect Drogo for a round. And I failed. And that's exactly what happened. He charged me, killed me, and I saved Drogo for one round. But by then, it was all I needed. I had done enough damage on his other flank to get to melt his army away. And I think it ended up being 11-6 final. So it was a good competitive game, but this time, since I knew what to expect with him, that helped me out quite a bit. Uh, my second game was against uh, another Drogo list. This one was Drogo and Blood Riders and Flayed um, and then he had Jorah as well. And it was Dark Wings, Dark Words for a scenario. The first two cards we turned up were Swords and Envelope and Swords and Horse. So the Swords were two were with one, and since it was first round, you're going to be scoring off of them round one and round two. So I decided to go first. That way, top of round three, I could then do what I wanted on the board without giving up victory points. So... With that in mind, going first, I'm looking at the board. I'm like, okay, well, i got to do something with an NCU, although it's kind of pointless. He's high morale. I have nothing to heal. But I've got to do something with it, otherwise just a wasted activation. So I said, screw it. I put uh, Sell Me on the crown, crown zap Jorah, and he max failed it and died. First, very first activation of the game. So at that point, he was on his back foot, and it kind of spiraled for him from there because he felt like, and we've all been there, but he felt like he had to keep making big plays to get himself back into it, and it became quicksand, and he just kind of fell further behind. But we've all been there, and that one came out, uh, final score was 10-1, to 1, I believe, or 11-1, to 1, something like that. Um, it went heavily in my favor, all because of that opening bad luck on his part with the panic test. So there's not really much detail to give there. Um, all he had left at the end of the game was his blood riders, which are still incredibly difficult to kill. But he couldn't push damage through with them. He had assault orders 
and overrun, but he couldn't kill anything with them. He'd do six wounds, seven wounds, and then I would just Lirio the unit, heal it back up, kept him tied up all game. And that is why I run Blademan instead. But that's my first two games in a nutshell. Nice. So that was John Cash, right? Yes. That you played? Yeah. Really awesome guy. Yeah, that does kind of suck about Jorah. I've, I've had that experience running Targaryens as well. I'm always very nervous about those crown, those round one, crown zaps. So um, my round two, I drew John Hurley, um, which is unfortunate. Him and I end up running into each other a lot at events, and we play locally, so it's kind of a shame to go out of town and play each other, but that's the way the, that's the, way the cookie crumbled. So uh, he and I played. I ended up running my Donald Noy list. He took his Eddard list. Um, I suspected that he would, um, and I didn't want to be in a situation where I had to try to win with Ranger Hunters into Sworn Swords. Uh, at our honor guard and double poly cab. I just don't think it's got the ability to withstand all of those free at art attacks. So I took Donald Noy. It was secret missions. It was a slugfest, just, just as both of our lists are designed to be. Um, Sworn Brothers with Watch Captain fighting Ed's honor guard. Ed's honor guard triggering Fury for the Fallen on themselves. So, I mean, it was a bloodbath to start. We just beat the crap out of each other. Um, Cold Hands got knocked out of the game very early. Um, he took a charge on Cold Hands. I stuck him there to make him debate either charging Cold Hands or maneuvering to rear charge Donald. He chose to take out Cold Hands. I didn't think he would do that, so I guess it's was to his benefit that he took that activation away. I was banking on him not to take that bait. Um, and I think it probably worked out pretty well for him. But luckily, um, I kind of predicted that he would have assault orders off of the swords into the rear of Donald Noy. So I went ahead and covered up the swords just to make sure I didn't get rear charged right off of that kill. Um, and he did say he did end up saying that he had assault orders, so it was probably a good play by me. It could have gone very downhill from there. But in the in the game of a grind, once I started to get the Night's Watch cards attached and um, once I got defensive formation on Donald, making him a very unattractive target, I just was able to hold on and win out in the grind. Um, again, we were beating the crap out of each other, but I had Donald Noy in the middle, and I was able to just hold on. He played he swapped out one of the missions that was beneficial to me and it ended up being very unfortunate because when he swapped the missions out he turned over the reserve mission where the center is worth two so i ended up having engaged with more ranks center worth two and um holding the center so donald scored me four points in one round and then I ended up retreating the Sworn Brothers over to score the last token to close the game out. I think it was five to four going into that last into that last round that we played. I think we ended in round four or so, which is a thing that can happen with Dark Wings, Dark Words. The games end quickly. But at five to score, I'm not at five to four. I'm not super comfortable with that score because um, 
I'm out of defensive formation at that point. I've already played my shield for rerolls and things like this. It's kind of a matter of time before those telecabs that are biding their time come crashing into me, and then I've got problems. So I was able to close it out. I don't think he anticipated that five points, so it was a little bit of a disappointing finish. Uh, he and I usually have some really epic matches, which this one was. Again, we we traded blows. It was a bloodbath, tons of healing, uh, just tons of attrition on both sides. Sometimes that can happen in secret missions. Uh, you just end up being able to stack and score a crazy amount. Like like I said, Donald Noy scoring four off of that one token essentially is, is huge. And in the previous version, it would have been five from him alone because of the commander scoring double. So thankfully that was removed. But that's the nature of secret missions. I think they're fun. You play it the best that you can being aware of the situation and you have to not be afraid to use your commander's activation or NCUs to switch the missions out to benefit yourself so that would be my general take on that one but that that's it it was a bloodbath grind slugfest I luckily got a crushing because of you know that very last round Yeah, the the secret missions can be uh pretty tough to play in for. Um for for me personally, uh I was a little disappointed when I saw Dark uh Darkwing's Dark Words. And I've mentioned this before, everyone has their own opinions on what missions are good for tournaments and which ones aren't. I know a lot of people don't like uh um here we stand. A lot of people don't like uh, uh, Game of Thrones or Fire and Blood. There's there's a lot of them out there that people don't like. Um, me, my just personal preference, I don't like uh, Dark Wings, Dark Words. Um, I feel like the the deck is too unpredictable. Now, Winds of Winter is uh, a similar mission in the sense that it has. Uh, um, the mission cards, but uh, I feel like there's a lot more control over that one, so I definitely don't mind that one. Uh, anyway, so my second round, I uh, ended up facing Gary Luther. I knew it was bound to happen. Um, we, I believe, have faced every single uh, event that we've ever played together. Um, that includes uh, both Adepticons and uh, all of the events at Indianapolis at Family Time Games. Um, and it's <laughs> it's just something I've come to expect. Uh, that's like every round, too. Uh, I've faced him first round, second round, third round, fourth round. Um, really doesn't seem to matter. Um, somehow we just always face each other. Um, with that said, uh, it was just kind of funny that in this event uh, we faced each other and it was Darkwing and Dark's words, which was also the very same uh, mission that we had to face each other in uh, the 55-point tournament. Um, and unfortunately, uh, with this one, it ended up about the same. Um, he had a similar list. His 40-point list was a, just a similar version of his 50, excuse me, of his 55-point. And then mine 
uh, my list was also a similar version of my 55 point. And the game went about the same. Um, it went a little better uh, than last time. Um, last time, the, the objectives really got me uh, pretty good. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it, but it topped in the 55 point. The two objectives that got uh, drew were, uh, or top decked were, uh, taking the attack or the horse and then taking the attack or the letter. And I had three NCUs to his two. Um, and he went first, being able to cover up one of the only two spots that you could take. And then I made the mistake of, you know, I kind of talk about a different tournament, but um, just kind of banding on how the, the secret mission cards can really get to you is, you know, I took the last spot available got rid of one of the cards and then that just allowed him to then take a zone. Um, so it was goofy in this one, the top deck cards were, um, uh, fortunately, uh, none of those, <laughs> none of the tactics boards, but, um, I kind of charged in, crashed into a, an immovable, uh, immovable object and he just was able to attrition me to death, even with all of my healing. Um, so this one was a bit disappointing. Uh, it did help me out a little bit that, uh, you know, he could have uh, beaten me with a crushing, but he uh, brought his Andrew um, in Kingsman off of the center objective to uh, flank charge my bowman to try to kill him. I, I think maybe he thought if he killed him, he'd get a point and then move right back on the objective, but um, he rolled pretty bad, and then I rolled fairly well on my saves, and I think only like three guys died. Um, anyways, uh, the reason being is he the objectives that were up at that point were uh, score two points if you're on the center objective and score a point for every objective you're on. So literally just by staying there, he would have gotten four victory points because you get one naturally for being on the objective. And then, uh, um, and then being on the center one. Um, now that I think about it, I think we might have forgot to take out some of the cards that you're supposed to take out. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I think we ended it at, uh, I think he had, and I had seven, um, making his the differential only four, giving him uh, a standard victory rather than a crushing. Um, which helped me out. It gave me one uh, scenario point, whereas I would have had zero uh, had he not been focused on trying to kill me. Um, so, you know, it was uh, it was my first loss. So after that, I'm feeling kind of you know okay. Where where's the day going to go from here? Uh, already one and one. Uh, it's always a, a weird spot to be in because, you know, unlike a card game where, you know, there's so many players that you play to, like, top cut, you know, of top 8, top 16, top 32 sometimes if you have enough players, and then you you basically have another chance um, in something like this where there's 
just a regular Swiss round uh, pairings. You know, once you have a loss, um, you know, you know that you're out. You you can't get first. So now you got to ask yourself, you know, what are you shooting for? Especially in a, at Adepticon, because at Adepticon they give you, um, you know, they still you're, you're still awarded, you know, first, second, third, and whatnot. But uh, at Adepticon they go uh, kind of to the next level and do best overall best general, best, best appearance, best sportsmanship. Um, so there's a lot of these additional awards that are very heavily um, weighed. Uh, you know, for example, uh, uh, I was in a tournament where, um, you know, I did really well, but I didn't get, like, anything special. You know, I got the bragging rights of the spot, but, uh, you know, those uh, – the best overall, best general, etc., all got like really nice, like heavy duty medals to represent their award. Whereas, you know, you can get um, third, fourth place, and you'll walk away with product, but you're not going to have like this trophy. Uh, but that's just how Adepticon always has been, uh, and I'm sure always will be. Uh, it's just kind of tradition at this point to kind of. Um, encourage a more well-rounded player um, and people will have their uh, opinions about that but um, it's just one of those things to expect going into uh, the Adepticon tournaments um, and then with that said uh, I'll take us into uh, round number three uh, this one I ended up getting paired against a Greyjoy player um, this one I was unsure about. He had uh, Blind Baron, and I didn't know if I could eat through it, um, you know. but I definitely had the number of attacks needed. So I ended up going with... Uh, oh, the key decision was uh, he had only one list with Carl, and my Balon list has a lot of attachments. Um, has like four attachments in it. Uh, so my deciding factor of why I picked Victorian for this one was because I just couldn't risk him running Carl and then sniping, you know, two or three of my attachments, depending on, you know, how well that unit ends up doing. So instead went with Victorian list, which only gave him two targets. Um, and uh, I have to say in this game, it felt super close for a long time. Um, score was uh, fairly close the whole game, but the Bowmen were definitely MVP. Uh, any faction that doesn't have a lot of armor, uh, it just gave me such a huge advantage to be able to, you know, shoot my opponent off the board. Uh, he had a Bowman, and I was able to go first and deploy right across from him. I want to say this mission was uh, Fire and Blood. Um, does that sound right, guys? Uh, third mission, let's hear restand. Oh, yeah, okay, so similar, yeah, so I knew we had deployed only like 12 inches away, so, um, yeah, the third mission was here we stand, um, kind of going back to that whole, um, different preferences. Personally, I love here we stand now that they've taken away the, um, ability to respawn um 
just constantly having to be mindful of what quadrant you're in, I think is a nice level of extra strategy. Uh, I know a lot of people really don't like it, but it's just, like I said, it's one of those preference things. Everyone kind of has their their missions they like and don't like. Uh, anyways, so um, ended up facing a, you know him. Uh, Blind Baron was uh, <clears throat> Blind Baron definitely was a headache, uh, like I thought he would be. I just really had to focus on the units that he wasn't on. Uh, right from the get-go, he had some silenced men that uh, charged into Newt and really did a lot of damage. Um, this is another uh, mission where I ended up drawing into two What is Dead and May Never Die back-to-back -back after using Harlaw for the second time. It's a little annoying, but I knew in this one there's a lot more offense going on, so... Um, on his part that I might actually need it. So the intent originally was to, uh, you know, tie up his silence men all game with either healing Newt and or using both what is dead and may never die on them. But uh, one of my other units actually ended up uh, sooner, uh, so I ended up using it over there. But just slowly but surely, it was kind of, if it wasn't, I was able to take out his bowmen pretty quickly, so then it was just straight up my two bowmen kind of supporting my force clashing into his force, and uh, they just kind of saved the day for me. Um, this one, I believe I was able to come away with a, uh, I want to say this one was a crushing, though it could have just been a, a standard um, but, uh, but yeah, the Bowman definitely, uh, if it wasn't for them, I'm pretty sure I would have lost that game. Uh, Craig, uh, how did your round three go? Okay, so round three, along with round four, are the two I really look forward to, talk to talking about the most, because I think they're the most interesting matchups. Um, first off, for me, round three, or the round directly before the last round of the tournament always seems to decide the tournament for me. Um, if I win that round, I win the tournament. If I lose that round, I mean, obviously I don't win the tournament. But that's always the hardest game for me, for whatever reason, is the game before the last game. And in this case, I drew Mark. And he ended up finishing second. Um, so... Um, a lot of people, it's a shame he's not on here because he's the gentleman who ran neutrals, and there was a lot of buzz about that. Someone's doing this good with neutrals, um, blah, blah, blah. Well, my opinion on the game is that if you have a list that has a lot of great synergies in it, and it's ran properly by someone who knows the list really, really well, then throw all the all the other crap out the window. Throw the number of NCUs out the window. Throw the stats out the window. Throw the faction out the window. All that matters is you know your list inside and out, and it has the synergies it needs, which is the, the, the truth for his neutral list, both of them. Um, he had one with one NCU, and it was a bunch of Boltons. I expected him to run that one because the scenario was all about having field presence and points and zones. But he didn't. He ran his Vargo list, which was Walder and uh, Roos NCUs. And then it was Vargo in 
Bastard Girls, uh, Bastard Girls Without an Attachment, and I believe it was uh, Skirmishers. He had a unit of Skirmishers and a un- two units of Source Riders. Um, and he knew his list inside and out. He ran it perfectly, and that's, in this game, really all that matters. So I really wish this game had been filmed, uh, because... The, the biggest strength of my game, I feel like, is my ability to maneuver. And then with Targaryens, I turn that up to 11. That's why I run them. He is also incredible at maneuvering. Um, he also had an incredibly fast list. And he used it incredibly well. The reason I wish it was recorded is because the whole game from both sides could basically be watched and looked at as an example of, what to do, what not to do. It was a fantastic game. Um, But we'll get into the details of it now. So um, I believe I went first, um, and the reason I chose to go first, which looking back on it now was a mistake. I should have went second. But the reason I went first is I drew a hand, and they were all great cards. But none of them were cards that could be cycled or used in round one. And it's a big deal to me to get through my cards. So I was hoping to get some of my cycle cards, like Adravat or Lead by Example, by taking the envelope so I could get through my deck a little better. I think that was probably the biggest mistake I made all game. Um, So we kind of approached each other cautiously, and then he pushed his Vargo Bastard Girls up the table as far as he could go. And that was his last on-the-table activation. He still had Walder. Um, so, looking at that, I'm like, okay, he's got uh, Careless Aggression, I believe that is the name of the card, the attack between rounds. Or he's setting up for a Walder shot and charge, which it would have been a long charge, so I wasn't too worried about it. But I was like, that coupled with Careless Aggression, he can shift and shift and charge. And then he went for a second round, so I'm like, okay, I have to do something about this. And I had waited on my screamers across the table from him for this exact reason. So I do the measuring before activating, and it came up to being a four-inch charge. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to do a four-inch charge. So I played switch reposition, shifted up two, then did my free maneuver, blah, 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 made a two-inch charge. I had uh, fire and blood. like, all right. I'll play that and give myself re-rolls. I'm in on a two, and I'll have a re-roll if I roll a one. I'll be fine. What I'm going to do is I'm going to hit you really hard. Seven dice, you're saving on sixes. You're going to have vulnerable token. You're probably taking six wounds from this. And then you're going to do all your attack shenanigans, mess me up. But in the interim, I'll be able to play Illyrio. I'll heal just enough to survive. And then I will send units over to help, and I will kill Vargo. That was my plan. I rolled a one, then a one and then parked one inch away from Bastard Girls. So at that point, I was pretty well screwed. So he took Walder, did a free attack, made me vulnerable, then charged, and then played Careless Aggression and attacked again. So mathematically, I could have survived the two attacks that I would have received had I not failed the charge, but and, and then been able to heal with Illyrio before the third one came in and ended up either being okay or sucking up enough resources that I still wouldn't have been in trouble. 
But instead, he had three uninterrupted attacks. I lost my screamers without doing a wound. It was unfortunate. It is what it is. I was on the back foot. Um, I didn't panic. I was able to fight back. I was able to kill Vargo. I was able to kill his other unit of bastard girls. The main part of this game was the maneuvering. And it was essentially a master class. For example, I needed a charge with Drogo. He knew I needed that charge with Drogo. So he pivoted in such a way when he stopped his maneuver that when I charged him, I would have to align in such a way as to give my flank to his uh, Zorus riders that were waiting in the wings. Well, I don't like that. You know, that, that kind of screws me. So I responded with, before making the charge, setting it up in such a way that once his Zorus riders came in, he would take Harakars and uh, Outriders to the rear. So in that way, just these little nuances occurred throughout the entire game where we were constantly just doing little things that try to outmaneuver each other. Um, I never drew ride-by, which is an okay card, but in this scenario, it's, it's amazing because if you have, you're engaged with infantry, blocking your way, you just move past them, score in the next zone. Never drew it. It is what it is. Um, I was not, there were several points in the game where it felt like I was going to be able to take control back from him. Um, however, he'd get, you know, he'd boxcar his panic test, that was at negative four, or, or I would just fail to kill the unit, or he would just play in such a way that would not allow it, because, like I said, he's an amazing player. And I ended up falling short. I think the final score was 10 to 6 or 10 to 7 or something like that. It was a lot of fun to play. I love the little maneuver, um, the maneuvering, the, the nuances. That's the kind of game I like to play. So even though I lost and lost my chance at winning the tournament, I appreciated the game, and it was a blast. I do wish he was on here to tell his side of it. Cool. That worked out okay. I just I just cashed out of the store. So uh, my round three, uh, the spoiler for Craig's round four, is that my round three opponent was somebody that all three of us faced. Um, I drew Gary. So similar to what Craig is saying, right, I know if you, if you look at Gary's list, you probably bulk at it. Uh, you know, that's only six activations. That only has two NCUs. How is this going to win anything? Well, uh, it was really tough. Um, as far as going toe-to-toe, it was the toughest match that I had. In terms of if this game was a matter of killing each other and fighting, I wouldn't win. So Gary brought a unit of champions of the stag with a glory seeker. Rose Knights with Laura's Commander, Stag Knights with Ramsey and Reek, and Wardens with Braun. His NCUs are Peter Baelish and Courtney Penrose. So, as you can see, it's a ton of healing. Just one second. Oh, Brett. <laughs> oh, I'm back. I, you know, like, okay. <laughs> I had to run to the store. Um, So, uh, as you can see with his list, it's a focus on healing. It's a focus on being really grindy. The worst defensive save is a 3+. You don't really want to go into the Warden 
or go into the Rose Knight because if you damage them between the Penrose healing, which obviously you can decline, but between the, the Glory Seeker as well, the Penrose healing, and Baratheon Conviction, you start taking a bunch of auto wounds if you wound them but don't kill them. Uh, that's compounded by Loras doing auto wounds and Growing Strong being in the deck as well. So essentially, I started off, it was Here We Stand. Uh, initially, my plan was going into the game. My entire plan was to basically bait him to one side or the other by splitting my sworn brothers up, get him to commit, uh, grind one unit down, run away the rest of the game. Um, that was essentially the plan. Um, down potentially, but overall the plan was get rid of the champions of the stag, try to create a one-on-one where they're fighting the Sworn Brothers, uh, stay the hell away from Loris because he has expert duelist, and play the mission. Um, I had the opportunity to charge the champions of the stag in a round where I went first, so I would get the swords, relentless, all of that, assuming he stayed engaged. Uh, I couldn't kill him. I could not kill the champions of the stag. <laughs> I mean, granted, it was in the front. He deployed them to where there was no flank for me to get to, so taking my time and patience to get to the flank was not an option. Um, he deployed all heavily to one side and put the stag knights on the outside, I absolutely wanted nothing to do with Stag Knights. Absolutely nothing. Because they have Ramsey. Uh, Ramsey self-heals. The champions of the Stag can always reposition to start throwing more healing into Ramsey. Once they start getting vicious and intimidating presence, mixed with Reek, like, I don't know if you've ever played that unit. It's a very nasty unit. It is very difficult to shift. So... Essentially, I planned to just tank them as much as possible with Donald Noy um, in the veterans, making them hit on fours. Um, once he got Growing Strong out, though, he got both Growing Strongs out. I abandoned trying to kill the champions of the Stag. The other one was on the, the Stag Knights. I abandoned going after them. I ended up killing Braun. That was my only kill for the whole game. After that, Loris was able to because I was retreating so much and maneuvering, Loris was able to, he did a really nice job of using Baelish and using the horse twice, even giving up free attacks because, the, um, you know, he was grinding the Sworn Brothers down, so I had to play for the bags to get the, get the unit back up, and he was double-tapping the swords to get Loris in position. So it was an interesting game. Um, like I said, people would balk at his list, but it was strictly scenario that got me through it. I had Sam as a five-point NCU, so I was using him to control a board quarter all by himself. Uh, even with that going on, I still barely pulled out the win, um, and his army was crashing into me, and it just like against Hurley, I was running out of resources. So um, it's a very strong list. It synergizes with itself so well that, I mean, I think I picked the two best targets. I think he wants you to go into the Rose Knights, and so that he can start his healing and dealing grinding. Or I think he wants you to go into Stag Knights because they're very difficult to shift and they're not bad in a grind with Ramsey because they'll heal themselves. So I picked the Champions of the Stag and the Wardens. Couldn't get it done on the Champions of the Stag, got rid of the Wardens. Loras killed both Watch Captains, so that started costing me points as far as board contesting. So I think overall you could just say 
Sam won me the game because he didn't have the resources to contest the quarter that Sam was going to take by himself. And with my six points and attachments gone, I was running out of the ability to contest where I was at, and I had to keep Donald Noy away from Loris. So that's kind of the summary of that one. I played like a coward. I think in that game, I have retreated more in that game, I think, than I've ever retreated in any game that I've ever played. I mean, essentially my entire game plan was activate, retreat, and keep keep running away. And that was that was the plan, and I, I stuck to that. So I just played the mission. Poor Gary. Yeah, I, did, I didn't. I didn't know who was. I didn't know who was going to go next. That was a very long, awkward pause. <laughs> no, you're you're good. I was just uh, picking the winner of the starter box, uh, and I'm going to bring them on now. Uh, congratulations uh, for winning uh, starter. Hey guys, thanks a lot. <clears throat> yeah, of course. Um, so if you didn't already uh, hear from our previous show, you will have the option between uh, uh, Free Folk, Baratheon, Night's Watch, Targaryen, uh, a new Lannister starter, or if, uh, if you wanted, we do have an older Lannister half or a older Stark half. Um, but yeah, uh, you don't have to pick now if you want to send me a, a message on Facebook, uh, if you have Facebook, uh, and then we can work out uh, shipping and all that stuff. Okay, awesome. Sounds good. Well, I've been a long-time listener, first-time caller, and uh, really appreciate the giveaway. I, uh, I'd like to go with the Baratheons. They uh, seem a lot more fun now than they have been looking over the last few months. And, uh, I'm only a Greyjoy player now, but uh, after the update, the Baratheons are looking a lot more appealing. Not more, not necessarily more so than the Greyjoys. I still love my Greyjoys, but I'd like to try out the Baratheons. Awesome. And then I actually did uh, forget to mention the Free Folk, the Baratheon, and the Nice Watch. If you pick them, I do have a, uh, a, a faction uh, card pack to go with it. Um, so awesome. uh, the I'll be able to throw that in there for the, the Baratheon one for you. But yeah, just send me a message. That way I um, uh, can get your info and can uh, send it to you. Okay, I will do. Awesome. And then did you have any uh, questions you wanted to ask or anything uh, else uh, before we move uh, on yeah, to round sure. four? Um, I guess I'd just like to know what was kind of the most off-meta or cool list that any of y'all who were there at Adepticon saw that maybe you secretly hoped would place a little higher. Uh, I know we had neutrals make it to the top table, but were there any kind of janky, fun-looking lists that you guys saw that uh, really stood out or that you heard about? I know you guys were probably focused mostly on playing the games, but uh, you know, anything you guys heard about that sounded really fun or cool? Honestly, for um, me, I was, I, was, I was honestly pulling for Gary, um, not just because he's my clubmate, but I think that his he ran two lists, each were 
four combat unit, two NCU. Um, and they were just super tanky. Uh, they kind of had the old fantasy vibe, but he had some really strong synergies within those lists. And I think in our game, because I played him in, in round three, so he was approaching top table at that point. Um, if, if we had played Fire and Blood or some other mission that would have required engagement, like where I couldn't have won by retreating and playing the mission, uh, there's no way I can beat him. And then even in a scenario where it's token-based, if he gets three on the token, like the Rose Knights in the middle, Stag Knights on one, and the Wardens on the other, and forces my army to split up, uh, I don't know if I can beat him there either. The the list, again, it doesn't seem like much, but those synergies within the list, it's crazy, ridiculously hard to kill anything. And then you have Baratheon's new retribution cards. They can essentially punish you for playing. And, and like I said, when, when once um, Overgrowth came out on two units where I'm taking four hits before I can even attack, like how am I supposed to even get your ranks down to make overgrowth not hurt, much less deal with your attacks on the swing back. So it was, it's just like, uh, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just running away. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. Yeah, I was going to say the same list. Um, it was nuts. Um, I'd probably do a toss-up between Gary's list and then uh, Ping's list uh, that I've faced in round one. Like I was mentioned earlier on is that you look at the list and you know only having four combat units that uh only really like one of them has a whole lot of punch to it um the rest are you know no pushovers but uh you know you think to yourself okay if i can handle the tully cavaliers that this you know this game should be in the wraps but you know he he's able to work around with so many outside effects and um tricks to really maximize his uh his potential so i would say probably probably uh ping's list as well as uh gary's both of which i had the the pleasure of facing and i i think it goes without saying that everyone is impressed and likes smart's list kind of didn't mention that cuz it's already it's already been broken down and spoken about on Facebook. That one's not really a surprise. But obviously, running neutrals in exactly the list that he ran is amazing. Well, not only that, but, uh, you know, wishing for him to do, get a little higher than he did would require him. <laughs> he, he got second, so it would require him getting first. <laughs> um, so I think uh, he he uh spoke for that list himself like he he piloted it to basically perfection um you know uh one ncu list is always kind of joked about uh and to actually pilot it um at one of the major you know uh for this game one of the major events and almost take first place you know because uh, I believe we'll get to Brett's fourth round, but uh, you know it was it was close. Um, all right, so uh, definitely uh, message me. Uh, I'm assuming you have Facebook, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Awesome. And then yeah, just message uh, 
myself, uh, Dave Meckler, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll work out uh, getting you that starter. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks again, and uh, thanks for for the show. I really enjoy it, uh, and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. All right, so back into round four. Um, we'll go uh, in order, kind of crescendo up to the top uh, with <clears throat> Brett uh, taking first. So we'll we'll start with Craig, who uh, took fourth place. Um, how was your fourth round, and who did you face? Oh, I played Gary. Um, he did not run his Loris list. He ran uh, Estermont. Uh, to get the, all the free attacks from Assault Orders and whatever else is in that deck. Um, he had two Champions of the Stag, both with uh, Glory Seekers. He had Davos in a unit of Wardens. And then he had Estermont and Kingsmen. So every unit he had was healing other units. His NCUs was Baelish and Mel. And the scenario was Game of Thrones. So... I'm looking at that list, and like Brett said, you literally cannot cut through it. I didn't have access to Sundering. Um, I thought about running my double Flademen list to push the panic damage through, but with Mel there, I didn't want to take a, uh, a Mel bomb on Jorah. So I left that list, and I ran uh, my double Outrider like Calvary list again. And it was tense. So I was just coming off a loss that although it was an enjoyable game against an amazing opponent. I, I'm very competitive and don't like to lose, so I was a little tense. I didn't want to end up 2-2 two two on the day. And he was also coming off a loss to Brett, in which Brett just ran away from him. And he was also a bit crabby about that. So, <laughs> in addition to that, he sits down and he sees an army of light cavalry across from him. So he was anticipating the same, and he said, said that. He goes, well, you're not going to fight me, are you? You're just going to duck and dodge like a boxer. That's, that's the idea. So it was Game of Thrones scenario, and normally that is the worst scenario for me because with my cavalry, I like to be attacking, and I only have two ranks. So I'm not holding objectives very well in that scenario. But against him, it ended up being my saving grace. So he pushed up the table, uh, more or less ignoring the objectives, just coming for me, trying to um, box me in so that he could kill me. So what I did is I threw my Screamers into one of his champions, a stag, and did a grand total with, with, with the vulnerable token of one wound. So that was nice, which he promptly healed back up. But uh, So that was my first attack of the day, and the whole purpose of that was to hold him in place. So then what I did is I took the objective uh, on the right side, closest to me, and then I took the one on the left. And then he couldn't quite reach the center objective, so I ran up there with another unit of Outriders and took that one. And then what resulted was he ended up cutting through my Screamers, which I knew was a matter of time. I tried to keep him alive with Illyrio, but it, it was a lost cause. Um, I did time up for a couple rounds. And all that time, I'm scoring on objectives. And once he killed them, he pivoted and set up for a charge on the Outriders that were right there. So instead of doing anything else to the Outriders, I was cornered. I knew I couldn't get far enough away to avoid the charge. I was like, well, I'll sit on the objective. So I inched up closer to him, 
And then when he charged me, um, all I did was retreat off of it again, retreat off of him again, stayed on the token to score. And essentially what I did was I ran in a circle around the board with the rest of my army. Um, he kept chasing, and every time he'd turn one way and set up to charge me on an objective, I'd run past him and go to the other objective. I scored on every objective on the table at least once. Just running in circles. Just keep moving. And he would slowly catch a unit, then kill it, but he couldn't do it fast enough and prevent me from scoring on objectives. And instead of taking them himself, he just kept trying to chase me down. Um, and then my next attack, which granted we're in like round three or round four at this point, and I've made one attack so far. So my next attack is I get behind the wardens with Drogo and a charge. And they were on an objective, so I wanted to prevent them from scoring. I figured I'd kill them, move up on the objective myself. Game over. They were stubborn. Uh, they wouldn't die. I ended up having to attack them three times to kill them. But eventually I did, and then was able to move on that objective and score on it. So that leads me up to four attacks in the entirety of the game. And I had a unit of outriders on another objective. He moved his cavalry set up to charge and kill my outriders and then score. Well, at that point, I needed one more victory point to win. He needed four, I think. So he kills me, prevents me from getting that one, and then scores. That's essentially a three-point swing. Next round, I need to figure out how to get one. He needs to figure out how to get two. It was a mess. It was not something I wanted. So then I made my fifth attack of the game, which I know that's a lot of attacks. Um, I charged his flank with Herakars to hold him in place. Um, he was able to maneuver with his Kingsmen to get behind them, though, off the horse. I didn't have field control, so he maneuvers, charges their rear, kills them, once again frees up his uh, um, champions of stag. So what I do at that point is I take the Outriders and I just run to the other objective. And I'm like, okay, there's my last point. And then his intent was to then, well, just chase me over there and charge me. Except there was a hedge in the way. I was 14 inches away. His max charge range was now 13 inches. And that was it. So his list idea was awesome. It was almost impossible to kill, as Brett said, which is why I made a grand total of five attacks throughout the entire game. Two of them didn't even have the intent of actually doing any damage, simply just to hold units in place. Other than that, I didn't bother shooting with the Outriders. I just ran from objective to objective. And and this is why I kind of feel bad for him, because his list was awesome. But the scenarios that came up for him over the second half of the uh, tournament and the matchups he had screwed him because he simply could not keep up with faster armies who had no interest in being anywhere near him. And so that was an interesting game, I thought, because of the way it played out. And it was it was tense, and it was a lot of fun. So hats off to him for a good tournament and a really cool list and for scaring the hell out of me with that list. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, so that was that was score. Ended up being 10 to 6, final score. Yeah, I... Sometimes you just have to play to the mission. I would say 
a lot of times you have to just play to the mission. Um, some lists and matchups just completely out, um, you know, play you on the field, you know, just head-to-head. You really have to sometimes just think about what you need to win. Um, <clears throat> for example, um, especially in the in the last round, uh, if you're th- uh, 3-0, or let's say you're undefeated and it's the last round, at that point, yes, uh, trying to get win as best you can is a nice safety net in case you lose. But really, uh, as long as there's the appropriate number of, of rounds where there's only going to be one undefeated, at that point, you just need the win, whether it be by 10 victory points or one victory point. Um, and you know, you really have to just assess, assess the situation, whether or not you're in that scenario where you just you don't think you can win on the table um, and you just need to play to the objectives or um, by how much you need to win by. Uh, in the bigger tournaments, you really do... Uh, for the most part of the day, you really need to be considering trying to get a, a crushing as many times as you can um, because those tiebreakers will bite you in the butt if you're just trying to play to, you know, win by like one or two, like on purpose, like you just, you're not really focusing on the differential or the total number of victory points, uh, depending on how they score it, what what is considered a tiebreaker because, uh, you know, sometimes it can bite you in the butt. And I've had plenty of times where I've, uh, you know, and this, this was something where I used to do it early on. And that's kind of why I'm, I play differently now early on. I used to lose out on a lot of tiebreakers because I would just kind of be like, Oh, okay. Um, you know, we could pretty much just wrap it up and just call it here. And my opponent would be like, yeah, and then I'll just take the win, knowing that I could have kept playing and got more victory points or made the differential bigger, but just not thinking about it. And then, you know, I'm 3-1, and one and it's the difference between second place and, like, sixth place sometimes. So... Um, Unfortunately, it does encourage, uh, you know, kind of whooping your butt as best you can. But uh, it's it's kind of the nature of the beast when you're playing in in the bigger tournaments, you know. And it's something you kind of have to figure out uh, what you want to do. Some people would rather just not take the extra victory points. And that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, admirable. You know, it's, it's a trait that, you know, is definitely doesn't go unnoticed, but then again, you know, it is just a tournament. As long as you're not like being, you know, a crazy person about it and you're just like, Hey, um, if you're okay with just playing it through. And sometimes you can even be like, hey, you know, I know you want to end the game right now. Um, it, it could hurt my tiebreakers. So uh, do you, are you okay if we, like, figure out 
what the end score would have been and just kind of be like, okay, you would have done that, I would have done this, and then get the score that way. Um, but uh, in this tournament, the tiebreakers were a little bit different um, than normal. But, uh, again, keep in mind, I know a lot of people will be like, oh, well, why are they different? Well, every TO has the right to make it whatever they want it to be. And sometimes that can be unfortunate going into a tournament, not uh, kind of thinking it's going to be one way and it's another. And I think that this happens to me a lot, um, where the triggers are different than what I'm expecting. That's why uh, whenever I play now, I've gotten to the habit of just assuming get the absolute best score I can in every category. Um, because I've kind of been burned from, you know, not really paying attention to the tiebreaker or not even asking uh, just because I assume. And I think a lot of people kind of fall into this. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate, uh, but, you know, there's so many different ways to do it uh, that it can really can really throw some people off. I know this kind of happened with me and Craig. Uh, um, you know, Craig, in one category... Uh, should have taken third if if done a different way, uh, like a different tiebreaker. And I should have taken uh, fourth or possibly fifth. Uh, and, but with the way the tiebreakers were for this event, I ended up taking third, and uh, Craig took uh, fourth. Um, Craig, if you want to jump, uh, kind of um, uh, talk about it just a little bit before I jump into my uh, um, fourth match. Yeah, it, I'll, I'll make it quick because I don't want to sound bitter. It would have made a lot more sense if I had uh, bothered to read the uh, tournament packet. Um, in the last couple of tournaments <laughs> I've been in, it was simply, you know, by secondary point, standard crushing, um, narrow victories. So with that, I had a couple of crushings and a standard, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so in my mind, since I wasn't intelligent enough to bother to read the rules, that was the tiebreaker, so that's what I played for when it turned out the tiebreaker was actually total victory points scored. Um, flip side of that is you and I were at a tournament like two years ago, I think, together, and I got away with one where you misread the tiebreaker, so I ended up jumping Yeah, So, I mean, it, it comes and it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's, I guess, just a lesson to everyone out there. Um, you know, not only read the, uh, you know, the tournament packet or just ask the TO, be like, hey, can you, just for clarity, can you break down the tiebreakers um, and ask them to just be specific? Because uh, even after they break it down to you, they could, you, there could be a misunderstanding somewhere in there. Um, so not only try to really make sure you know the order of the tiebreakers, especially so you're not like expecting one thing and disappointed as you know, Craig mentioned both me and him have been in that situation where we expected one tiebreaker and it ended up being another. And it could be, you know, after a long day of really hard playing and getting so close to the top, it can, you know, it can kind of throw a wrench in, in your uh, mood. Because um, I know, I, like like Craig said, I've been there too, that there is a tournament where I'm like, oh, I, I must be like second place or something like that. And 
you know, and then I end up, I believe that was the tournament where I ended up being like sixth. And I'm like, what, how in the world am I sixth? (laughs) Um, So uh, just something to keep in mind. And then not only that, but just playing to the fullest, you know, trying to maximize all your points the best way you can, uh, I think is, it will help prevent that scenario as well. And again, you don't have to be super hyper competitive in the sense of doing this, like, um, but, you know, still you're trying to win the whole tournament. Like, you can't just think of each game as its own individual thing that has no effect on the rest of the tournament. Each individual game is a piece to the puzzle to getting higher in the brackets at the end of the tournament. Because you have to think that if you're not working towards that, all the other people that you might be uh, tied with in record possibly are working towards that um so just something to keep in mind uh but going into my fourth uh round i end up facing another great joy player and it was funny um just after the third round he came up to me and he crouched down he's like hey so can i get your opinion on um facing uh i think it was targaryens and he gave me his two lists and i'm like wait before i gave him any advice i was like wait so what's your record He's like two and one. I'm like, well, I'm two and one too. So are you sure you want my advice on anything right now? Because we could be playing each other. He's like, no, that's fine. You know, it's it, it really won't change anything. I'm like, all right. So I kind of gave him my opinion on what his two lists would be facing targs. And what do you know? We get meshed together. <laughs> uh He's like, you know what, I jinxed it. I shouldn't have came over to you. You know, I should ask you after, like, the tournament or something. And I thought it was pretty funny. But then after discussing with him and my previous opponent, there was only three great, uh, Greyjoy players, and all three of us all faced each other uh, at least once. Well, obviously only once. But um, uh, I just thought that was funny that we all, uh, all three Greyjoy players, two of their matches of four were Greyjoy players. Uh, Anyways, this one, looked at both of his lists, and they're both scary, uh, but I knew, again, I had to run my Victorian list. Um, The two Bowmen just were too good to me in round three. Uh, And then in this one, it was uh, um, Game of Thrones, and I just knew the more activations on the board would help me as well. so for this one, I feel so bad. This is one of those games I know everyone has had where you do one small thing and then the dice dice just say, you know, it's going to be one of those games. So what he did was he moved up his Flademen um, to a very uh, a decent position on the board. Um, I would say... It was a little too aggressive, but it wasn't like he didn't just, like, march them all the way into my face. You know, he was still, his flayed men were still next to his other gradual units. Well, I had two Wendemir tokens. I had already Harlawed, and this is the whole reason for the strategy. I had Rush of Aggression. I had Assault Orders. I had everything I needed to set up the right charge. So I charged, uh, I believe it was Newt. Um, I went to mirrored once, uh, and fortunately that's all I needed. 
uh, got me within range to auto-charge. Auto-charged the Flademen, played some cards, um, you know, the Assault Orders, uh, and then I was going first in round two. Uh, but after just the one attack, he was down to like three wounds. I did nine wounds on the charge to Flademen, and we both, we kind of looked at each other and we both kind of knew, you know, that it wasn't going to be impossible for him to win. But if he couldn't keep these flayed men alive somehow with a miracle, um, I mean, that was like his one, you know, uh, ace in the hole, you know, that one unit that if he got the charge off on me, he could have obliterated one of my units because I had no, like, morale uh, buffs anywhere in my list, you know, whereas you could have, like, Asha Commander, Balon Commander, Asha Attachment, uh, all these different things to kind of give you some morale boost. But uh, in my Fractarian list, I don't have any. So Flayed Men charging a Reaver unit with their 5-up, 7-up, if you roll enough sixes and you roll well enough on that charge, you're probably going to explode the unit. Um, uh, but I got super lucky. Uh, start of round two, I think he kind of knew his Flayed Men were dead, so I took advantage of that by... Uh, capitalizing on doing other things, and then um, he did. He just he didn't bother with the flayed men. Um, and right before he was like, uh, we had gone back and forth on a couple actions, and uh, finally I think he was ready to do something with the flayed men. But it was my activation, so that's that's when I was like, okay, I can't gamble anymore. I have to get these flayed men dead uh, before. You know, he does something, and they stick around for the rest of the game. Uh, so I attacked, finished them off, and then just for the, you know, it just, uh, you know, it went downhill fast. I then, because he charged his uh, Asha and Reavers into my uh, Reavers with no attachment and rolled really bad, did like two wounds, Um I then was able to attack with uh, those Reavers uh, twice, weakening them up just enough so that my Victarian could charge into their flank. I aligned half towards his table edge, killed him on the charge, gave me overrun into his bowman, killing his bowman. Yeah, it, you know, he is, he's a good player. Um, he had some... Uh, really strong lists, but it was just one of those games, like I said, that we all have where, you know, you, the dice just say no. You know, you just have that, um, you know, those times where your units just kind of evaporate off the board. Um, and then, like I said, that's kind of the whole reason for Harlaw. Um, when you can almost guarantee that you have rush of aggression, assault orders, we do not so, and you have three NCUs in the list and um, nine activations at 40 points, uh, you can really leverage the activations, and not only that, but the weight of attacks. Um, you can't sit back because two bowmen with, uh, with finger dance on them are just going to wreck your face. You get too close, unless you're cavalry, I'm almost always going to have the alpha strike on you uh, with the rush of aggressions and the Windermere tokens for the free shifts. Uh, if you get the alpha strike on me, I have so much healing. Uh, so 
it's uh you know it was definitely a very uh, uh you know a fun opponent he was he was great he took it well um you can kind of see the disappointment you know he was two and one uh you know just to have it you know something like that happen I could kind of feel for him because I've had it too um and you know i I think you know, if I see him again, it, it'll definitely be, uh, it'll probably be a different outcome because situations like that don't happen that often, especially with repeat opponents. So I would definitely love to, you know, have like a rematch um, because sometimes, you know, obviously a win is a win, but sometimes in scenarios like that, you ask yourself, okay, does this really count in the grand scheme of my skill versus his skill? And more often than that, you're going to be like, it doesn't really count. This really does, is not an uh, appropriate uh, example of, you know, the way things probably would have went. But with that said, before I eat up all the time, uh, before uh, Brett gets into the main event of the, of the show, you know, I want to say that the show was, or the tournament was amazing. Ended up going three and one, took uh, third place, which I was super surprised about. Like I said, I was I was in the same boat as Craig. I thought it was going to be a different tiebreaker, so I was totally expecting uh, um, fifth or sixth place, just because I felt my tiebreakers were bad. Because, like I said, my loss was uh, a standard loss, um, so I only had one special point for that. And then prior to, um, I didn't have a whole lot of points prior to my fourth round, but I had a lot of victory points, um, which is why I believe I got third uh, with the way they did the tiebreakers. Um, but with that said, Brett, why don't you take us away with uh, the championship uh, finals, we'll call it, uh, the last round. Yeah, so I think most people who pay attention to Facebook or who have been on any of the Discord channels are aware that Mark made it to top table with neutrals, which is a fantastic accomplishment. Um, his lists have been revealed, but one of them is Double Bastards Girls, one with Vargo, two Zorse Riders, Bloody Mummer Skirmishers, Walter Frey, NCU, and uh, Ruth, NCU. And I believe he ran that list the previous three rounds. So I go into the match and I'm looking. And his other list was Bastard Girls, Blademan, Blaggard, uh, Stormcrow Mercenaries with Jock and Hagar, Cutthroats with Ramsey, Cutthroats, Roots, NCU. And so I was looking at it, and I was thinking, well, no matter which list he runs, I'll have squishy targets, and I have awful NCU, so that should ring in the victory for me. He selected the more Bolton list, and starting around round two, so... I mean, I think overall I'm not the only one. I think most people looking at these lists are just like, you know, if they play competitively um, or if you just, I don't know, if you just look at it for what's on the list, you might think, how can this list function? How can, how is this going to win? How is this a threat? And then you have to play it and then you kind of find out. So essentially what happened was he put the Mercs with Jockin on one flank and then Next to him was Ramsey. Then he put Blaggard in the center. Then he put Bastards Girls, Cutthroats, and Bladesmen all on the other flank. I've got two Hunters, one Trackers, and two Solos. So as the game kind of progresses, I see, like, okay, 
He's going to put Blaggard in the center. I could contest the center and try to play the mission. If I do that, my Ranger Hunters are probably getting flanked by Flademan. If he has issue commands or something like that, I'm getting double tapped. Without an Amon in between, I could die. So I'm looking at it, and I'm like, my only choice is to focus fire the Flayed Men down, then get rid of the Bastard Girls. Then from there, I can see what the board looks like, and I can start playing the mission. Well, that's what I tried to do. And because of Ramsey's healing cards, the Flayed Men took a long time to bring down. So I lost two rounds, essentially, killing the Flayed Men because he healed them eight with Cruel Methods. And then it was kind of hitting me. It was like, this is not going to be easy at all. So I finally kill the Flademan. I get the opportunity to double tap the Bastard Girls, who I had shot with awful, but um, I just, I was talking to a player today on Discord, and I just think that the perception around awful NCU is very similar to Melisandre. When you play against awful, you're like, God, I hate him. It's an orbital strike. There's nothing I can do. But trust me, after playing this tournament, I'm not even sure I'm going to bring Awful into you anymore. In this game in particular, he did nothing. He did three wounds to Bastards Girls, which, yeah, that's cool. But after that, like, I had to play the tactics board. There's not always a great opportunity to use him to shoot. And he's dicey anyway. So, again, when you're, my targets were the units that had a three-plus save. So unless you're going on the bags, which you know, are usually uh, a popular zone, then there's no guarantee that he's even going to do a wound or cause panic test. Uh, and then if you're only rolling like four dice or five dice against Cab, there's no guarantee that you really even get more than one or two hits. So, again, when he's good, he's good. But he's not like this crazy, overpowered, automatic NCU that's just single-handedly winning games. At any rate, he did nothing for me. Um, so I got rid of the Flayed Men. It took a while. Then I got rid of the Bastard Girls, and I was able to use my activation advantage to get rid of Ramsey with the trackers. So I killed three units. That was 16, 21 points. Wait, and then I killed the Blaggard. I'm sorry, I killed the Blaggard in the center as well. So by the time I killed the Blaggard, though, because of all the time that it took, the score was like seven to – it was in his favor. And then from there, he had Mercenary and Cutthroat sitting on a mission. He'd already killed Cold Hands once. So at this juncture, I'm like, well, if he comes off of an objective to contest me or to kill me, then he's not scoring points. So then from there, we both just missioned. The game ended 12 to 11. So, yes, the score was 7 to 5 in his favor when I killed the Blackguard. So I butchered his army, and the score is 7 to 5. So... His thing is, this list was designed for when Commander scored double. And when Commander scored double and you've got Jockin to copy Ramsey, I lose the game. Straight up, I lose. Unless I table him. The odds of tabling six combat units of that caliber are slim to none, even with an aggressive army. So I think that's the thing people don't understand when they look at it and they say, well, how could this list be competitive? It doesn't even seem competitive. Those units on the board... He puts you in a spot because Mark is brilliant. I've played tons of people. I've played on TTS. I've played tons of in-person games. Mark is brilliant. Mark does not make mistakes at all. 
His positioning is precise. His moves are precise. He has his combos ready. He's already calculated what's going to happen, what the odds are. Sure, dice can happen, and you can catch him a little bit off guard. Um, you know, I had even I had some good rolls against the Flademen to kill them when I did. He was expecting them to live a little bit longer, but then he adapted for that. But the list is built not to overwhelm. It's not going to table you or anything. It's not going to table you or anything. It's not going to blow your mind. It's going to beat you 10 to 8. It's going to beat you 11 to 9, something like that. That's what it's designed for. He knows what units' jobs are, and he'll have them do it. And and it, I don't know. I I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. I myself, like, once I started getting all of these kills, you know, I'm thinking in my head, like, yeah, the game's turned. It's in my favor. I'm going to win now. And then it's like, oh, my God, no, it's not. Like, I have to put my three good units on objectives because if I put a solo over there, he will he'll 100% risk running off of the objective to kill a solo with cutthroats. And then he'll take the objective, and then he'll end up outscoring me. So it was tough, way tougher than what you would think. Definitely. If you're up for potentially getting your teeth kicked in a few times until you figure it out, definitely give that list a try. It's specifically designed, he said, for Game of Thrones and Feast for Crows. I think it's all about how you deploy, when you make your moves, how you protect your units until the right times. But Mark has mastered it, and I'm just telling you, uh, again, if it was still commander score, an additional VP, I lose the game, even with a John Double Hunter's army. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, another strength to the list is if you don't know Mark, uh, like, either by you know, personally or reputation. Um, you looking at a list like this, unless obviously if you're on top table, you, you some alarm bells are ringing, but especially whoever his first opponent was, you know, looking at a list where there's one NCU, I think has this, uh, you know, mindset where, oh, they must be a new player because, you know, a lot of new players tend to like just one NCU because they're coming from, you know, a different tabletop game where they're not used to the whole NCU board and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I think uh, that goes along the lines of just getting the upper hand sometimes on your opponent who are uh, underestimating uh, what they're about to face. Um so I think that uh, that is a strength of the list as well. Um, really um, underestimating the list and his his skill is what can really give him an early upper hand. You know, with very precise measurement, I've heard from a lot of people, he's very uh, meticulous with what he's doing and where he's placing stuff. So. Um, you know, it all comes down to what you can do with, you know, what you have, um, you know, what units you have on the board and how you can maximize their, their threat potential. Um, but overall, uh, you know, very close to match. I want to congratulate Brett for getting first place at the championship, uh, tournament. I believe this makes him like 60 and 0 
in uh, tournaments <laughs> uh, in person. Um, you know, and it's maybe a slight exaggeration, but it is true, like in the sense that uh, I don't believe Brett has lost yet. Um, and this uh, is counting like Gen Con, AdeptCon, um, uh, local Indianapolis big uh, tournaments, going out to, I believe, Ohio and took first there. Um, it is all over the place. So this isn't just some small group of people that he is constantly facing the same people over and over, and you're assuming that they're just not very good players. You know, um, John Hurley, awesome player. Gary, Craig, myself, uh, you know, uh, are, you know, at least, you know, I would hope I'm at least decent at this game. But Brett's beaten us all um, at least once. Um, and none of us have ever beaten him in a major event. So that just goes to say, anyone that's ever questioning uh, Brett's uh, skill. So, but with that said, I do, you know, I do want to throw a little small, you know, a small brag out there that uh, of the top four spots, um, small council did take first, third, and fourth. And I believe there were no other small council members even in the tournament so all the small council members that did attend uh took uh top placing spots um you know with a combined total of what uh 10 and 10 and 2 if you combined all of our records together um so just small brag you know have to do it throw it out there uh but i'll close out by um just uh or unless uh, Brett, did you have any uh, last uh, things you wanted to throw in there? Well, I, I definitely appreciate the kind words, but I just want to again reiterate: it, it really frustrates me. And you know, I'm not here to throw stones or throw anybody under a bus or anything like that. It does frustrate me though when some people say like, "Oh, well, Brett doesn't play anybody good," or you know, I think one comment before was, well, I think Brett technically has to deploy one more time and then he'll win the event. It's just kind of a crappy comment, um, things like that. You're basically saying that, you know, a whole group of people aren't competitive, and I just completely and totally disagree with that. Uh, I fought tooth and nail. As I mentioned, playing against Mark with arguably the worst army in the game, neutrals, uh, and it was still that close. It was a tooth and nail fight. He made no mistakes. He did not give me anything. I had to take everything from him. He gave me nothing. He gave me no. He never made a bad position. He knew every move that was coming, when it was coming. He knew what to play. He anticipated everything. Uh, he was right there with me move for move, and it was phenomenal. And it was like that for me every single game. I had no easy game. So I uh, just want to point that out, and I want to thank, again, every single person that I played. Uh, for making my first Adepticon a pleasurable experience, uh, I would, I'm totally going to go back. Super looking forward to it. And congratulations to you guys as well, because the competition was definitely stiff. So, Yeah, I can't wait to see everyone at uh, Gen Con. I know there's going to be a bunch more qualifiers out there. Um, I believe top four got qualifiers this time around. Oddly enough, uh, I believe, other than myself, um, Brett, uh, Mark, and uh, Craig, you all already had uh, an invite. So I think 
Um, three places got grandfathered down. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I didn't like talk to anyone about it, like higher up. That's just my assumption uh, with the way that usually the grandfathered system works. But either way, um, I believe there's a handful more qualifiers coming up. Um, nothing set in stone, but I'm working on a Illinois qualifier if we can get everything uh, all set in stone. So be excited to do that. I believe I am going to run it, though, so I will not be playing in it. But I will definitely try to make sure that it is something to, you know, worthy of travel. Um, but with that said, uh, I want to congratulate our caller, uh, Randall for winning a uh, starter. He chose a Baratheon starter box, which will come with a uh, new card pack. Uh, so I'm going to get that out to him uh, as soon as I possibly can. Um, you know, and I want to thank everyone else who called in. Uh, we had so many people call in, and you know, a lot of people kind of dipped in and out uh, over the course of the show. I understand it's a long show to kind of commit to uh, sitting on the line and listening. Uh, especially, you know, this time of day. Um, so I appreciate all of you for calling in. I wish, you know, I wish I had enough starters to just kind of give everyone a starter, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. We do have a ton more starters. Um, Free Folk, Night's Watch, Targaryen, uh, New Lannister, Old Lannister, Old Stark, uh, that I definitely will be looking to give away in the future, so stay tuned for that. And then, as well as that, I believe I have about 30 sealed unit boxes um, to choose from, and we might do some smaller uh, giveaways. So stay tuned for that. If you have not already, please uh, consider liking, sharing the show out, uh, liking our Facebook page, or uh, you know, putting us on like your uh, favorites or subscribed on any of the platforms that you listen to us on. Um, that's you know the number one way you can show your support for the show. Um, you know, we, we do this for you guys. We try to do at least one episode a week. I know the first part of this, um, year has been a little bumpy with a lot of like sickness and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we're doing three shows this week. Um, going to, tr uh, try for the next one on Friday with Spencer to talk about the team, uh, the team tournament and, uh, kind of wrap up the, um, 2022 Adepticon, and then we'll be right back into the mix talking about all this new revealed stuff um, and trying to catch up on some of the older stuff that uh, we uh, kind of left off on. But, you know, with that said, everyone, again, I appreciate everyone who lis uh, listens in. Um, you know, again, congratulations to Brett and everyone else that played, and an honorable mention to Gary. Um, even though he went two and two, he f had to face Craig and Brett and myself to, you know, get, you know, where he was in the placings. Um, so, uh, you know, shout out to him. With that said, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.